4: Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez, and if you don't know, that's Kevin Walsh. And Kevin Walsh absolutely crushed it covering the NFC East for us during our draft a week or so back and he is continuing to stay with us on today's episode as we kind of break down the winners and the losers our biggest takeaways and how to make some money off of what we are seeing not only in the NFL draft but in the NFL in general you know free agency continues to go on uh, moves still are made And one of those moves were made since we recorded last week, Kevin, and it is that Jameis Winston has found a home. You know, we all knew that after the draft, right, that, you know, teams would kind of recalibrate what their needs were, what the market was. And Jameis has a one-year, $1 million deal with the Saints. I think this is a very interesting partnering here. I think that He can learn under Sean Payton. It was good for Teddy Bridgewater's career. It could be good for Jameis'. And I actually believe that this is very smart because of Taysom Hill. Kevin. I actually believe, and we may have talked about this previously, but I didn't think Taysom Hill could really be just QB2 for the Saints. Because if he was, then you lose his value on special teams in end rounds as a wide receiver. And there were some games last year where Taysom Hill was the best player on the field. And yeah, I know Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara were on the field. It was Taysom Hill. The playoff game was probably one of them. So James winds up in a division he is familiar with if he is pressed into action with conditions where he can, in fact, clean slate and kind of shine himself up with his own reputation. I think it's smart for all parties. What was your reaction to Jameis Winston going to New Orleans?
5: So it's great for Jameis in terms of, like, the ability. To, it's one of the, he's going to go to New Orleans. He'll be there for a year. Yeah. I, I don't know. We don't know. Ideally for the Saints, he doesn't take the field. But people will talk themselves all the way into Jameis Winston next year. Oh, my God, he sat behind Drew Brees. And he learned from Sean Payton. This is great. Or even the better case for him, Brees retires at the end of this year. And Uh the Saints go, you're our guy. I will say this, though. If I'm the rest of the league, I go, oh, boy, we're stupid. I mean, sorry, but, like, there's no way that the Patriots couldn't have coughed up a million dollars. Now, some would say he wouldn't have taken the same deal for New England. Right. I would push back a little bit because it's New England. I think New England's a little bit of a different scenario. But, again, how much more would he have required? Plus, you're giving him the chance to start, play for Coach Belichick. Now, even if you're the Indianapolis Colts, we kind of talked about a little bit in our number one, Phillip Rivers, Jameis Winston. I think it's a debate. I don't think that there is an objectively correct answer when it comes to which quarterback I would prefer for next season. Now, again, he would have not taken $1 million to be that team's starting quarterback. But had the Colts played the long game and waited it out, again, like you compare what they potentially could have got Jameis for to what they got Rivers for. And could they have repurposed that money in a number of ways and maybe use, you know, could instead of Phillip Rivers, they get Jameis Winston and Jadavion Clowney. Are they a better football team for that move? I just think it was one of those really interesting things. And, and you know, part of it might have been just nobody expected Jameis to cave. Where right now, it doesn't seem like Cam Newton will. Right. Um, and, you know, and cave sounds like a bad connotation, but I think you kind of get what I'm getting at here. Yeah, yeah. Overall, it was one of those things that was really, really interesting, but I totally get the move from both Jameis and the Saints.
4: Yeah, I actually, you know, I think it's a good move for Jameis. I wouldn't want to go to New England right now, and that goes for if I'm Andy Dalton as well. Why? Because the weapons I have in New England is nothing to write home about, okay? When I'm here, if I get pressed into action with the Saints, okay, I'm throwing Michael Thomas, I'm handing the ball to Alvin Kamara, that makes me look good. You know the best part about Teddy Bridgewater last year? He went undefeated under center for the New Orleans Saints, and I think that is very important. Also, I don't know how much of the calculation this was, but he stays in the division. Kevin, and I think that's important also, okay? So let's say he does get pressed into action, okay? Six out of the 16 games that the Saints would play this year happen to be against defenses that Jameis Winston is entirely familiar with and has been going up against for years. So I think the conditions are there to be successful. And then, like you said, there is the idea that Drew Brees could walk away. I mean, networks are already fighting for his services in the worst-kept secret out there, right? So could there be a path? to Jameis Winston being the starting quarterback of the Saints and that being a great catbird seat to be in for the second part of your career. I think it is smart, and I think he took less money, especially if you consider A.J. McCarron him for $4 million to be the backup for Houston, right? So, obviously, there is kind of an evolving market. The other big name, the other big shoe to drop, let's say, this week – was that the Bengals have formally decided to release Andy Dalton. They are moving on from their starting quarterback for the better part of the last decade. Um yep. this is clearly Joe Burrow's team now. I got to tell you the truth, Kevin. This surprises me a little bit. I thought cuz you've mentioned it, how many like starting opportunities are there still out here in the NFL? And if you're going to be a backup might as well be a backup in the devil you know as opposed to the devil you don't, right? How do we know about Joe Burrow? You know that scheme. You still now as the backup quarterback would never pay for a meal in that city again, you know? And now I wonder where the market is for him. What do you think Andy Dalton is a starting quarterback somewhere? And if not, talk to me about the uh, strategy of this decision. So I probably shouldn't admit this, but I'm an honest guy. I thought he was already cut.
5: I oh. I was already like, when, when, when I saw that breaking news, I was like, this what he because he's already been gone from Cincinnati for like uh, months, right? Here's the so thing. that yeah, uh, I was just that, Like that that completely kind of threw me off. Overall, yeah, it's kind of weird though, right? Like, if you're
4: Cincinnati, you come yep. out of this why what is it that you're cutting him need a backup quarterback and they still need that veteran presence they still need someone to guide this number one overall pick show them the ropes show them how to be a professional ryan finley is not going to do that he's the only other quarterback on the roster Uh, that's the thing who
5: there isn't a more qualified quarterback in all of football to teach him how to be the quarterback in cincinnati (laughs) just kind of show him the, the ropes of all of it because it's it's a lot more than just playing the quarterback position. You are now the face Absolutely. of a franchise and Andy Dalton has experienced it in that exact uniform. Right. That was, and I think maybe that yeah. was part that, of the, yeah. yeah, I think that was part of the shock as well as like, why did you make this move? I thought you already did it, which then it was, it's already done. But like, now like, how did you come out of the draft and be like, yeah, 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 now we got
4: to get rid of Andy Dalton? Exactly, right. I hear you too. Like, it's not like he didn't already know. We all knew Joe Burrow was going to be the number one pick. We all know the – I was, you know, I'm on the extreme other end of the continuum, Kevin. I hoped it didn't, okay, because, as you know, our friends on FanDuel, right, they have all these bets about some of these guys, whether it have been Cam Newton or Jameis Winston or some of these guys, Tom Brady's next team. And there was a time where there was all sorts of buzz about Andy Dalton getting traded and blah, blah, blah. And I thought, you know what? They're going to draft Joe Burrow. And eventually, what we talked about before, the saturation of the quarterback market in this year – I thought it would have led to Andy Dalton maybe staying in this role yeah. in Cincinnati, and I got it with our friends at FanDuel at like something like 15 to 1, Kevin, to be uh, in Cincinnati. And so I was like, so let's just put it this way. I knew damn sure he wasn't caught yet because I was... <laughs> <getting> <laughs> caught caught myself. And I still... I thought, oh, maybe, you know, he tests that market. He doesn't I like sure. what he sees, and he realizes that being QB2 in Cincinnati is still interesting, but unfortunately... I don't think that's going to happen, and here's why, Kevin. We like to play connect the dots. We play the game with familiarity. We've talked about all of these moves in this offseason where familiarity has been in play, right? Philip Rivers rejoining Frank Reich. Uh, Kyle Allen rejoining uh, Ron Rivera in Washington. Teddy Bridgewater reuniting with uh, DeFilippo. I mean, excuse me, with Joe Brady in Carolina. Nick Foles reuniting with DeFilippo in Chicago. Um... Kevin, Jay Gruden was the head coach of for Dalton for a long time in Cincinnati, right? His entire tenure, for the most part, in Cincinnati. He was the head coach. Do you know what team Jay Gruden is now the offensive coordinator of, Kevin?
5: I believe it just came across my desk, uh, same as yours,
4: that he just landed in Jacksonville. Oh, wow. See, this is incredible. It's like a soothsayer. If that is official, um, yeah, there you go. He is, in fact, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you put it all together, that makes sense, right? So maybe it's him in there with the mustache, Gardner Minshew uh, kind of leading the Jaguars. What would you think about that?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 certainly possible, right? I, you know, it's a good point you bring up. Familiarity seems to be king right now with a lot of these quarterback decisions. I mean, we could even argue it played a role with Sean Payton welcoming in Jameis Winston because he's seen him, you know, for years now. And uh, you know, if he has that built-in relationship, I I don't I don't see why not. And overall, I don't see the harm in it. If you're the Jags, it just depends. Like, is Andy Dalton really adamant about being like? You know, you need to give me a chance to beat out Minshew. Um, right. Because, you know, if
4: – and if you're Jacksonville, like, sure, go ahead. Actually, no, I disagree with you, Kevin. I disagree yeah. with you. I think there is a lot of risk to this, okay? Maybe not in a way, but I'm going to tell you, you're going to be like, ooh. Because you know how I always have a little complex point, right, Kevin? So here's the thing. Sure. I think in the same way that Ryan Fitzpatrick was a risk – to the Dolphins ultimately implementing their tanking plans and getting to a Tiger Valoa. I think the Jaguars have their eyes set on Trevor Lawrence. I think they think that he is actually their quarterback of the future. And because of that context, I think Andy Dalton could be a problem for Jacksonville. Why? Because he might win a couple games for the Jaguars. You know, I think he could perform better than Gardner Minshew. It, over the course of the season, and if the pressure comes out there and Andy Dalton is actually starting and he wins some games for the Jaguars, and all of a sudden the Jaguars are drafting third or fourth next year instead of number one, bye-bye to your chance at Trevor, War- uh, Trevor Lawrence or even the other kid from, like, North Dakota. You know, I think it is a liability and a risk to them tanking this year. So, you know, it's, I, I like that since we started doing the early line together, right? One of the premises
5: of the show when we do it together is let me know if I'm crazy. Yes. So flip this now. Let me know if I'm insane here. Go ahead. Is any home that much better than Gardner Minshew?
4: I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. Uh, you're right. I don't know. He will have a better grasp of the offense than Gardner Minshew. I'll tell you that because he knows okay. yeah. coordinator Jay Gruden. He's been with him for years. And, and Gardner Minshew is a sixth-round, second-round player who has not. Okay? So I, I think in this context, he would perform better then Gardner Minshew, yes. And I think he got a raw deal last year, okay? They pulled the plug last year on Andy Dalton because Cincinnati had Joe Burrow in mind and they went oh, to run yeah. Oh, yeah. But they wanted to see what they had in the kid, okay? So he, he didn't get a full opportunity to show that he wasn't watched. And I don't think he is. It's just this intriguing market on if he still envisions himself as a starter yeah. or not.
5: No, it's, it's, it's a good point. Now, Doug Marone is still a, a bit of an offensive guy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if it's going to go full reins to Gruden. He kind of tried that with De Filippo and the whole yeah. thing, and that didn't work. So I don't know if they're going to feel like, oh, we're doing the same thing here. We're pairing a, a, uh, a quarterback and an offensive coordinator, and it's not a marriage that necessarily is going to lock in some level of success. And, you know, so maybe he won't be as keen to turn it over fully to Gruden. I, I, I think that's, I think it's really, really interesting. I guess overall though, like, Jacksonville, yeah, like, they definitely need to find a way to be able to get in range for whether it be Trevor Lawrence or Justin well, run
4: Fields. And, and run on Gardner Minshew and go 2-14. and 14. Andy Dalton <laughs> may win more than two games. Right. Now, but it might be three.
5: This is the <laughs> – Gardner Minshew also stole games last year. Like, the yes. mustache didn't just – Like <laughs> It was so weird. Like, the mustache wasn't just cool because he had a mustache. Like, he actually was... Random nonsense out, yeah.
4: yeah. Like, the face of the league for, like, three weeks. Yeah, that's true. It was, like, Jeremy Lin-esque, right? Yes, uh-huh. yes. That's exactly, that's exactly what it was. Right. It was Minshew Mania. It was around Halloween, you know? And there was the mustaches kids were going to be wearing as the favorite costume. And then it was kind of synchronized with Danny Dimes blowing up. And there was a competition almost, like, who will be a greater cult hero... The mustache or Danny Dimes. No, I hear you, but it's interesting. We are hearing now that Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston has signed as well. So I got to ask you, let's finish it out with the trifecta, right, before we get back into some of the things we saw in the draft. Cam Newton's still out there, brother. And to be quite honest, and and I understand that this year is different, right, because your doctors aren't necessarily seeing him, and he's coming off the injury. I understand that. But a healthy Cam Newton, Kevin, is better than any of these other guys by far in my opinion. Cam Newton is the top 15 quarterbacks still in the NFL. If he is healthy, there's a lot of teams, like all teams except maybe 10, would consider Cam Newton an upgrade at the quarterback position. I understand that, you know, the draft has now happened. Some teams have addressed it with, you know, Tua or Herbert or Jordan Love or whatever. Where do you fancy Cam Newton winding up? Because I have an answer. I'll, I'll bounce off of you to see if I'm crazy. You tell me what Think, and I'll tell you, if you're crazy.
5: So I'll say this: this is one of those scenarios where I feel like it's careful what you wish for, or careful what you kind of object. Because I was constantly, whenever the quarterback discussion would come up, um, you know, on episodes of in game live, I would be like, guys, I think there's too many quarterbacks. It's musical chairs. Someone's going to get left out. Right. I'm somewhat of a Cam Newton fan. I I, I love them at Auburn. I I, th- I just I find him to be a very very exciting player, and I want to see Cam Newton do well. And I didn't think that he was going to be the one left out. Um, and now here we are. And where I really struggle with kind of finding a team, it's it's just hard to find the team where it makes sense, right? Because he's too good for Jacksonville, to what we were just talking about. Yeah. And also, I know we kind of can't get a read on it, but if they are tanking, then he's also too good for New England. And
4: then the Chargers drafted Herbert, So I'm kind of out of ideas. I'd love to know what you got. Uh, the one team I think could be interesting, and you, it's very hard to read the tea leaves, right, on where there is kind of an opening. And I go to one team where, I, you know, there's not a quote-unquote opening. Um, I look at Denver, Kevin. I look at Denver, and here's the thing. They went all in with all these weapons. We just talked about it, right? They have a good defense. They got Big Fangio on that side of the ball. They just went out and got All of these playmakers, right, Jerry Judy, Melvin Gordon. Um, Do we truly know that Drew Locke is the answer, is the man there? He had, what, a limited sample size, what, four or five games at the end of the year, and he did do well, but I'm also – this would not be the first time that John Elway, as like the head man in charge, sees an aging veteran quarterback that could be the cherry on top for him and be like, all right, forget about all these guys. I, I can't draft one right. Let me go find that guy who I know can be an MVP. That would be one situation because they are primed and ready to go. And quite frankly, if I were Cam Newton, I'd rather find my way to Denver than to New England or to Jacksonville or yeah. to Washington or to anywhere else, because I think I could win right now if I went out West.
5: The problem with Cam is that he's you know, apparently very adamant about wanting to be able to be the starting quarterback. But does that mean that he wants to be handed the job or given the opportunity to compete? But one thing that I'll keep coming back to is I just think if you're Chicago, you played your hand too quickly. You know how important Nick Uh, Foles is to my life. Yeah, You know how, right, like, but that's the Eagles' be- Super was- Bowl MVP.
4: It's like it's- oh, you never know. I have his draft stock has fallen. He was the number two overall pick a few years ago. Now we're trying to get multiple quarterbacks in his place. We'll keep the conversation going. It's In Game Live. Dan and Kevin here on SportsGrid.
3: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24 hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day. Here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid.
4: Alright everybody, welcome back to In Game Live right here on SportsGrid. Dating Kevin, tearing you around the NFL draft. What we liked, what we didn't like, and how to make some money off of it. Earlier in the show, Kevin, we talked a little bit about teams that we really like what they did in the draft, and how potentially to get ahead of it, whether it's a team we think might be playoff-bound, the team we want to bet the over on their win total, or even in some cases, thinking the team can go a little bit further. So now that we've given our like our thumbs up and our diamonds in the rough, we're going to go the other way, Kevin, and talk about teams that we didn't like what they did. If you've ever watched my show on the network, Fantasy Freestyle, one of the things I do is do diamonds, and then I also do fugazis, the teams to. Forget about. So let's get into that and see if there's some fade that we can have here because of the NFL draft. Who is one team, Kevin, But you didn't really like what they did? You thought they were a draft fugazi. Their hall you want to forget about.
5: So I I think someone I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can maybe push the envelope a little bit with with at least with this first one here because okay. I'm going with the Niners and it is somewhat from a philosophical standpoint because really? i can't help make these things more complicated than they need to be but i can tell that you like to do the same at times so i think but this will, will work well so they traded buckner and they got 13th overall pick and to some degree the justification was we are stacked across our defensive line we don't really need to uh, you know worry about that we'll we're more than fine right and Then they took Javon Kinlaw. I really like Javon Kinlaw. I think he's going to be very good. I think there's a chance he's better than Derrick Brown. I really, really like Javon Kinlaw. But you've now somewhat contradicted yourself, and you've not taken advantage of both Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb being on the board to replace the departing Emmanuel Sanders, who was absolutely a key addition for that football team that they made in the middle of that season. Like, that was absolutely a key add for that football team. Now, the justification that they would have given for that is, well, it's Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan's going to be able to get anything out of wide receivers, so they'll be able to wait and be patient. And then they weren't able to wait and be patient and had to go from 31 to 25 to come get Brandon Ayuk, who, again, I'm not a fool. I'm not going to tell you that Ayuk's going to be bad. He's got talent, and he's got Kyle Shanahan. He'll be fine. But they could have certainly, I think, Waited, I felt like at 31 to get Ayuk. And more importantly, they didn't draft again until the fifth round. They had all of day two off. Off. Hey, take the day. And I understand that this is a very, very good roster, but the ability I felt like for this football team to trade back and actually capitalize then on the idea that Shanahan could, you know, potentially maybe get the same out of KJ Hamler that he will get out of Brandon Ayuk. I don't think that's personally a bridge too far. So that's kind of where I came away disappointed in the Niners draft because I felt like some of the justifications for the moves they made, they ended up contradicting them. And I think that they still got players that will contribute to their team, but I don't know if they really maximize the position they found themselves in with two picks in this first round.
4: You know – I think you make a couple of good points. I am going to play devil's advocate, though, because I actually think the Niners had a decent draft. And you said some of what my kind of rebuttal would be already. <laughs> the fact that Brandon Ayuk, in my opinion, is the kind of player that fits in the Shanahan scheme. Okay, think about the receivers that are doing well there. The Debo Samuel. Remember last year they took Jalen Hurd, and they pronounced him now healthy and ready to be part of that kind of group as well. I think Ayuk, I, I think they didn't need... wide receiver in Judy or Lamb because that in San Francisco it's schemed up so well I think similar things about Baltimore for example and the reason that they were able to wait for Duvernay instead of playing in this kind of high end wide receiver pool so I actually like the IU pick I think you're right they had to trade up in order to do so that I could only answer with you know there was a mini run going on Rieger and Jefferson were two of the few picks right before them. As far as Kinlaw, I see what you're saying, right? They traded away a defensive lineman, but that's who they are, Kevin. To me, what this did was show that they know their identity and they stuck to it. You know, they get front seven guys all the time and Kinlaw will be a cheaper option than Buckner. We know that. And I think it was just for them remembering that the defensive line is their uh, strength, is the way that this team is constructed, and not letting them uh, lose any of that strength. They had to replenish it right away, and I thought they could get the type of wide receiver they wanted in Ayuk. I know KJ Hamler is explosive, absolutely, but I think Ayuk fits the kind of Swiss Army knife that they have. The last thing I'll say about the Niners, Mm -hmm. I have said this with uh, evaluating any team's draft hall, They now have Trent Williams to play left tackle, Kevin. And then I'll put that in there. And this was also speaks to the relationship that Joe Staley had with the 49ers organization to go in and tell them, listen, I'm walking away. You need to plan for this. And they did. You talked about how some of these picks they didn't have. You know, they gave up a third and a fifth in order to get Trent Williams. And I think with a team that is that close as they are, you can't can't, um, afford to chance Losing that left tackle, so I think San Francisco did a decent job. I understand you saying they kind of just yeah. placed like for like. Are you thinking that they're fading, though, say in the NFC West? Do you think Seattle catches them? You think Arizona takes a step forward, or you still think San Francisco and the Niners are a likely playoff team?
5: And, and that's kind of the thing that makes it difficult for me to call them one of my losers, if you will, in this right. draft because I, yeah, Fugazy um for me like it's one of those things where I still find myself struggling to actually pick any of the other teams in the NFC West to um to jump them I I really I I do but I think that the Niners just I just don't think they maximize their draft position so um you know to me again even like I think if they would have been able to grab you know Jerry Judy at 14 and then to me you know again like I agreed that they not that they didn't need Buckner but he wasn't a pressing need like and if they would have then been able at 31 to take a corner, which was more of a need to me than the defensive line, and, uh, you know, a guy like Jaylon Johnson from Utah or Christian Fulton from LSU, yeah. and they could have even, you know, traded back and added an extra asset and took one of those. We saw a lot of defensive linemen fall. Zach Bond uh, somehow made his way to oh, New, Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. So, and that was kind of the thing for me. But, it, you know, when it comes to trying to, to bet on the Niners, like it's more so I'm not here to – Say I want to bet anybody else to win the NFC West because I don't, I don't know if I'm if I'm at that level yet. Like I, I think that's a wild leap for the Cardinals. I agree with you. The Rams are falling back, and I actually didn't really like what Seattle did either. Ten and a half
4: Um, total there for the Niners. You also add the idea of the quote-unquote Super Bowl hangover. You think they get for ten and a half again, or are you fading them enough to fade them on that level?
5: Yeah, I mean that's I think. I would, I'd, much, I'd rather play the under than the over. I guess the best way I could kind of think about fading this team is if I'm going to make other future bets in terms of, say, NFC champion, uh, I'll feel confident kind of pulling them. Throwing them out. Out of the equation might sound even a little harsh, but they aren't, to me, I, I. at the moment, don't expect them to repeat. If right. that is, and that I make, think that they could have had a much stronger draft.
4: That makes sense. So when I look at the NFC championship odds, and the San Francisco 49ers are currently the favorite in the NFC, Kevin, with, at plus 460, you may just be more likely to take, not even a flyer, right, but one of these other choices, the second, third, or fourth choice, and find some mm-hmm. inherent implied value because you're fading the team that is the favorite, whether that's the Saints or your Eagles mm-hmm. or any of the other potential contenders in the NFC. One team that I think was an absolute fugazi, Kevin, I want to forget about their draft. For me, I'm going to stay in the NFC, is the Chicago Bears. I do not like what they did, Kevin. And let me tell you why. First of all, we're including kind of trade halls as part of this, right? Sure. They sure. lost their first-round pick this year and last year and maybe for the next 25 years to acquire Khalil Mack, right? And a few years ago, they thought Khalil Mack was the cherry on top. And if it comes to fruition, great. But it ultimately did not, Kevin. And so I have to ding them for that a little bit because they also decided thinking that Trubisky was going to take him to the promised land and Leonard Floyd, who was a top 10 pick, was all of a sudden going to be amazing for them, right? And so they made that move for Mac, sacrificing years of draft picks because they thought they were close enough. And that, in my opinion, is a miscalculation. So that's another part of this. And then I don't understand, you know, Kevin, I... I told you how I liked Cole Met being the first tight end off the board, and I made some cash. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I heard his name called first, but I think this is the poorest place possible for them, okay? The Bears have, I think, nine tight ends on the roster, Kevin. They just signed Jimmy Graham to a two-year, $16 million contract, and I understand that a lot of teams, yours included, has figured out how to leverage two quality tight ends. It just seems to me... Kevin that everything the Bears try to do to be like Andy Reid in Kansas City and like Peterson in Philly doesn't seem to work out as well I thought they had other needs except besides the tight end position so to spend what was like their only premium pick there this is not shade at Oak Met I just don't know if it was really the fit I think they got a lot of other problems going on and you know I'm looking to fade the Bears in general and what they did in the draft gives me no cause for pause in doing so I don't like what the Bears did Kevin
5: yeah, so I think there's
4: a decent uh, amount unpacked there. I will say I like the
5: Jalen Johnson pick from Utah. Okay. Overall, I think Cole Komet can be a good player, but I couldn't – I think he was actually the 10th tight end when he was selected and that was now on their roster. Yeah, yeah. like that's, that's awful. And I think Cole Komet can be good, but you need to figure – like, yes, the Cole Komet pick can be dinged because the way that they've addressed the rest of the tight end position was horrendous. And they, I don't think that they've – I don't even know if they've solved it with Cole command. I think having him coming to be the number one tight end as a rookie is a stretch. Jimmy Graham being good at football, unfortunately, a stretch. It's not great. Right. It's not great at all. The only thing I would even slightly push back on uh, is the Cleo Mack thing. It's very funny. When that trade happened, there was an idea. It was Did they win? And the Raiders were able to, you know, piece together – um you know, assets and and how they kind of use them is is up for debate. With that being said, they – he was the cherry on top. I kind of think they were a piece away. If Trubisky wasn't awful, every time we watched that – I mean, that Bears team, like, statistically, historically great defense. Historically great. Sure. So that's kind of where I I don't – I can't ding them for the Mac stuff, like them not having that first round pick. I don't ba- look back and go, man, what a bust Mac was. No, Mac was a Mac was out of this world.
4: Oh, I have no problem with Khalil Mac as a player. Yeah, but I think they mis- they either miscalculated going all in and shoving to trade him or the Trubisky I, draft, pick, right? Like yeah. you don't do those things in tandem. The rookie quarterback doesn't mean you're close. You know what I mean? It's the same thing we were just talking about with the Chargers, right? So the sequence in their team construction is just off for me. And I believe going tight end in their team construction with what they have on their roster is also just uh, – I, I, I don't like – I think it's a poor approach. I don't like when I can't figure out what your team's plan is. And that's what I think is the issue with the Bears.
5: I – and I feel bad for Bears fans because they know this, right? Like they're not really an organization out there kind of defending it anymore – all right. It is almost impossible to overstate how harmful that pick was for them. Yeah. They they ended up looking somewhat foolish when they had to go from three to two to trade up for him. Yep. Then the two next quarterbacks yeah. are
4: Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes.
5: I mean, and that's the thing, man. Like, what? I can't even be like, oh, they passed on Mahomes. Like, Watson, like. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was such a bad move. Like and Trubisky's come there, and it is so evident to watch that football team. They, they were so good. Like they won the NFC North. They hosted Philly, and the Eagles couldn't do a damn thing offensively, and they still won in Chicago. Now I know the field goal bounced off the thing, and it could have gone another way, but that team had such a good defense. They did. The Trubisky is – it's almost impossible to overstate how much this Trubisky stuff has messed them up. I mean, even what we were just talking about with Cam stuff. Like, so, so they, they were like, all right, we know we can't beat Trubisky. All right, let's go and make it bowls, And they rushed that move. And now it would have been better off if it was Cam Newton. Like, it's, it's been such – it's been such a mess. Yeah. It's, it's crazy because that year that they won the North, Ryan Pace won general manager of the year. OK, the yeah. Matt Nagy won head coach of the year, which, by the way, we need what? to change. There needs to become a defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator yeah, year award because right. the offense was terrible. It was Vic Fangio somehow won coach of the year for Nagy. Nevertheless, but Nagy was good. Like they got all of these accolades all in spite of Trubisky. Yep. Now Fangio leaves. Natural regression takes the defense Absolutely. back. Absolutely. And middling
4: team. I, I Listen, I compare it, you know, this idea that if you get it wrong at that level of the draft, it sets your franchise back for years, and I think the Bears are in that phase right now. Here's my reference point. I think it's the same exact thing, Kevin, as when the Jaguars took Blake Bortles' top 10. They had a defense. They went to an AFC championship game, and they thought they were there, but then you realize you didn't have the quarterback, and the, I fear – that just like that with Blake Bortles, them sticking with him for multiple years when they should have pulled the plug, I think the Bears are in that point in time right effing now. So much so, Kevin, that when I tell you that the Bears' win total this year is 8 on the number, it is an absolute me running to the window to go under. I like. I only lose this bet if they go nine and seven. Is there any universe where you think Trubisky and/or Foles goes nine and seven with this team?
5: The only universe is one where Foles plays all sixteen and Foles <laughs> does what he has the ability to. Do. I mean, I I think. I mean, it's one of the funniest things that's ever happened. But it was Mitch Trubisky being the player that had the most MVP bets put on him last year. It's one of the stupidest things I could ever remember how anybody saw that in him. It's like, I understand when you're trying to beat the market, but like there's gotta be a baseline level of production or talent to make that kind of wager. And there just wasn't in this scenario. So yeah, again, like the only way you lose that bet is if Foles does what Foles does, but also you will need the defense to get its way closer back to what it was two years prior yeah, in terms of or you know regards to what it was this year.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I just don't see it happen. I know we are way too early to necessarily look at it all, and all the rosters are not set, but the Chicago Bears are someone in my crosshairs who I'm going to be looking to fade in the 2020 NFL season. All right, we are almost home for this episode of in-game Live, so when we come back. Kevin and I got a couple more Fugazis to discuss and we'll try to find some there it is I like that go on and get yourself some tiramisu get yourself some lasagna when we come back we'll see some other Fugazis some other teams whose draft we want to forget about unless of course there's ways to make money off of their misery and that's what we're going to look for as we put a nice little bow on this episode of In Game Live come on back Dan and Kevin win you some more money that's what we do
3: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
4: All right, everybody, welcome back. As we bring it on home here on another edition of In Game Live, he's Kevin Walsh, I'm Dane Martinez, giving you the edge. That's what we do here on Sports Grid, not only giving you a fish, but teaching you how to fish so you can make a little bit of extra cash as we turn the calendar to May. So, so, Kevin, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Kevin, we're not just giving you random picks. We're trying to make people smarter here, you know, so that they can ultimately do it by themselves. You know, what are the trends? What are the things you look for? And that's what we can do here on In Game Live, Kevin, where, you know, there's not a lot of games going on right now, so we can talk about these more kind of uh, strategy, game theory, the way we approach some of these bets that we are going to make. And one of the things we're doing here is looking at who had a good draft, who had a bad draft, and how do we get ahead of it in the futures markets? We've already given out, Kevin, some of the teams that we like what they did. You know, we, we've talked about some of those teams, whether it's the Giants or the Colts or the Broncos. We gave you some of the teams that we think are full gazes based on their draft. And let me give you one more, Kevin, and then I'll get yours. As, cool. uh, one team that I'm looking at here is the Las Vegas Raiders, Kevin. And, and, and here's why, okay? We've talked about this before. Um, there were some teams, we talked about it with the Packers at the top of the show, who we don't necessarily agree with the way they built their teams, what they prioritized mm. in construction. T- That's one way to fade a team. That's not necessarily the case here with the Raiders, in my opinion. For the Raiders, I, I, I think the positions they went to address make sense, but I think they reached uh, multiple times early on in the draft for example at number 12 overall I know they needed a wide receiver and I know Al Davis in his grave loves speed but with Judy and Lamb still on the board I was a little surprised that it was in fact Henry Ruggs I know he's the speedster but he wasn't even necessarily the second best wide receiver on his own team last year and now he's the number one wide receiver off the board so I would have liked to have seen them go Judy or Lamb there and then at number nineteen overall, again in the first round, Kevin, when I understand that cornerback is a need, and you've been talking about guys like Fulton and others that were still on the board, they go get Damon Arnett, who for me is more of a like come up and tackle, be able to help against the run um kind of cornerback. So in the first round, they had two picks. And I don't I'm not mad at their uh, the positional need. True. I just got it wrong both times, and then you know, they must have you know, Gruden must have some infatuation with Clemson because I think he's taken now, like, you know, eight guys from there over the last two years. Oh yeah. So, for me, I just think the Raiders' board was different than mine would be. And so, that's like who gazing for me.
5: Yeah, and I think one of the things is he probably would have took A.J. Terrell had he been there for him at 19. <laughs> right. I mean, so, on, on both of those, and I'll start with the cornerback thing. So, them taking net, it was, I think, over two and a half Ohio State players selected in round one. I think it was... Over plus 400
4: uh, at, yeah. at, at, at certain shops. Right. So after Akuda, after what was supposed to happen? But think about that. The first three picks had two of them. You right. needed one more in the next 30, you know, almost picks. That on our net, in essence, right? Or exactly. Or whatever,
5: right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And he was able to come up in, the, in in round one. And I think, you know, it just feels like he loves these, these, these big schools. And I think there was certainly a reach made there. On Darnett, here's my thing with Ruggs. I think speed is very, very important. We all know this. We all know this, right? And Ruggs' ability to take the top off of the defense, no doubt about it, is as elite of any player in this wide receiver class. The question I'll turn back to you is, is this a fit? Derek Carr has been pretty shy at the quarterback position, and I don't know if he's going to take full advantage of the skill set that which Henry Ruggs is bringing to the table, maybe the counter is, oh, well, you know, Derek Carr isn't a part of the long-term plans, nor Marcus Mariota. God, all
4: right. What are we
5: doing here anyway?
4: That's kind of my struggle with Ruggs. Right. No, I, I, I think that does make sense. Remember, the Raiders were one of the teams that had a – uh, yeah. yeah. And so I understand. I, I think this is a kind of keep-the-seat-warm that they're going at it with the quarterback position, even, you know, at the beginning of this offseason, we heard that Gruden may not be infatuated with Carr. They bring in Mariota. Remember in my draft, I thought they were going to be the guy, the team who traded up for Tua in a mock, and we saw hear. that in some places. So I hear you. Where are they going right now, or are they kind of thinking about a year ahead? To Deshaun Watson, or to draft a, you know, a Josh Field. you know, maybe. Remember, Gruden is in there with a ten-year contract, and this is only week year year one in Las Vegas. So remember, does he care about being good right now? Maybe okay. not. The process yeah. continues. I'm going to tell you something else. Part of the reason I am fading these Raiders, their win total is seven and a half. Kevin I don't think that's I don't I think that's way too high especially because I told you I think Denver is going in the right direction the Chargers I think have a better season than last year and of course Patrick Mahomes is still upright in that division I think the Raiders are the worst team in that division so when you consider to me seven and a half I think that is a little too rich the other thing I have is a factor here not only what they did in the draft I want to get your thoughts on this Kevin that stadium ain't going to be ready in time, brother. In these, in, these, in these coronavirus times, construction crews are not finishing the job right now. So I ask you, if the season is down. Where are they playing? I'll say the same thing for the Chargers and the Rams. That SoFi Stadium ain't going to be ready yet either. So in this season, when consistency and familiarity are going to be so key, the Raiders may be nomads, and I think that could wear on them as well. I'm fading them with an under bet at seven and a half, Evan.
5: Yeah, I like it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I have no idea what they're going to do if that stadium is not ready, because I think they wanted to, you know, I think they would have loved to have been playing in Vegas last year. Well, right? they they
4: know, weren't able... Now, they're staying at right. home. All- the strip is shut down. You're not getting a construction crew together to, uh, you know, uh, distance in the dirt right now.
5: And the Raiders had a really, really weird season last year. So they were mathematically in it, Week 17. Now yeah. they needed a billion things to happen.
4: They got a lot of them, did they?
5: Yeah, they actually did. Yeah, but the I problem was, that. had they not had one of the worst losses I felt that any team had all year, Minshew Mania, Uh, where they allowed the Jaguars to come back on them in the final game played in Oakland, they actually might've controlled their own destiny. And that was with losing Antonio Brown, who was supposed to be their top wide receiver. So it made me feel all kinds of weird when it came to this Oakland team. Are they actually on the cusp of something like can this team genuinely compete? But what's really weird about that is to me, when they traded Khalil Nash, I very much so – and Amari Cooper. I remember saying, oh, this is a thought-out tank. Gruden knows that he has more job security than Bill Belichick. He's got a 10-year contract. That dude ain't going nowhere. He's going for Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence has been in our calculus for so long. And he loves
4: himself some Clemson players.
5: (laughs) Yeah, right? I couldn't imagine there's anybody he'd love to draft more. Can Gruden find a way to go from 12 back down to one? Kent, is there a way for Gruden to pull the bottom out again? I genuinely thought – now, this was a conversation that was had, you know, one or two years ago. But I was like, okay, so they'd be full year bad. Then after that, they'll trade Derek Carr. They'll get a nice pick in return for that. They'll be awful again. And then, boom, they're set up perfectly for Trevor Lawrence. Like, that's the thing with – I don't know where Vegas –
4: That's what I'm saying. The move to Vegas at a new stadium complicates what you're talking about, that timeline. Okay? Because I agree with you. That's why, in my mock, Tua was the trade this year because it's synced up with the move this year and the kind of uh, sacrificial lamb of Carr for this year, along with Mariota, right? I agree with you that Carr may not be the guy. I think Mariota makes starts for these Raiders this year. But then, and I like your timeline um, and the security that Gruden has, but for me, then you can't suck year one in the new market. And I think that is the problem for that overarching theory.
5: Also, there's a lot of teams that are very, very open to the idea of drafting both Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Uh, yep. We've already seen the Panthers connected. We know that it makes a lot of sense for Jacksonville. Yep. We could easily see Oakland being involved. We could easily see New England being involved. That's four right there. Yep. Then- That's We're pretty much what we had coming into this year's Round yeah. of quarterbacks, like so,
4: merry-go-round works. though, Kevin, Derek Carr could be the starting quarterback for one of those teams sure. two years from now as well, right? So, it is very interesting. I want to. We only got a couple of minutes left. I want to get a, another idea for you. I'm fading the Bears. I'm fading the Raiders. What's another team you are fading? Because remember, with the Niners, you said you didn't necessarily love what they did, but you still see them as a top team. Who's another team that you didn't like what they did?
5: Falcons. Um, I was I was a little frustrated with Atlanta. So. And again, sometimes it comes down to a, a bit of a, a, I don't know if it's a philosophy, more so just the strategy of it all. So we know that they wanted to trade up. Bad. Desperately. Right. They Absolutely. wanted to get themselves in the top I ten. I thought it
4: was C.J. Henderson that they wanted.
5: Right. And I, you can never ding a team for not trading up because it takes two to dance, right? And considering that they would have had to get in front of the Jags who took C.J. Henderson at nine – you're not having to find a way. Then there were quarterbacks off the board. They weren't getting into the top six. So it's really seven or eight. And Carolina, in my opinion, mistakenly, but whatever, they were obsessed with Derrick Brown. And then at eight, all of a sudden, the Cardinals clearly were throwing all plans out of the window with Simmons on the board. My frustration, they should have turned course and traded back when they got on the clock at 16. A.J. Terrell, will he or won't he be, you know, the third best corner in this draft? I'd lean closer to no. There's definitely, though, There's, I strongly believe that they would have been able to field plenty of phone calls for teams again get in front of Dallas.
4: That that Cee- minute, right?
5: I really strongly believe that, whether that be the Philadelphia Eagles who have an obvious incentive to not only get CeeDee Lamb but get in front of Dallas. Whether yeah, that's Lam- Minnesota,
4: so- who right? yeah.
5: assets in the world to go up there and get them. I think that that was a mistake from Atlanta. I, don't, I think that their heels were too far dug in. We need a corner, we need a corner, at, by any means necessary. They couldn't get up and get one. They could have easily traded back, and I, you know, I, I hate to continue to bring these two names up, but their falls, I thought to me, were, were absolutely um, going to be, become regrettable for a lot of these franchises, like Jalen Johnson and Christian Fulton. But even if they didn't love them to that degree, maybe A.J. Terrell is still there. Now, yes, he could have come off the board to the Raiders, but it's not like A.J. Terrell was the, con- the consensus third best corner. I hear you. Was
4: or not. Noah Igbenhini, who also went for yes. much later, could have been available if they traded back down. That's a real – I like that, you know, Kevin, when you talk about because they were there and they knew teams were probably willing to move to get CeeDee Lamb, who was still on the board. That is the other piece of this that I think you make a great point. We heard so much that they wanted the cornerback, so much that they were even going to move in. So yep. when they found A.J. Terrell there – did they Could they have taken the calculated risk and still got their guy? There were other teams that did so successfully. You mentioned the Cardinals, still found a way to get uh, Josh Jones. My New York Jets traded down, still got the wide receiver yeah. that they wanted in Denzel Mims. You know, New Orleans didn't address it, but still got Nick Bound later on at the linebacker level. There was a number of situations that, um, where that happened. And you're right, the Atlanta Falcons could have done that and passed. Let me tell you something though. Talk about the Falcons in the division now because their win total is seven and a half. And I don't understand that. With Tampa Bay getting as much steam as they're getting, you know New Orleans was is there. I actually think the Panthers are going to overperform their total. When you think about the entire division, I can see the Falcons, you know, being one of the also rans in that division. They are seven and a half as their win total. Um, are you clicking under on this now?
5: Yeah, I'd much rather click under. I worry about Atlanta, man. I I think that this is a team who uh, wants to be offense first, but I just don't know if the weapons all work. Like I I like Todd Gurley, but I don't know if it's going to connect for Gurley. Matt Ryan can be hit or miss, and he's actually kind of been hit these past couple of years, but the defense has been a disaster. And guess what? If all of a sudden the defense steps up a little bit, well, guess what? Now Matt Ryan comes back down a little bit. Dan Quinn, who was a head coach that I found myself in love with with his opening years in Atlanta. I'm – is now, to me, a guy who I can't believe he still has a job at, in Atlanta. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he was the coach there. They sent out a graphic, we're keeping Dan Quinn. Right. It's good when you need to send that tweet out. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, so, yeah, I, I'm not excited about the prospects for Atlanta because, to me, I don't see a world where they get in front of the Saints or the Bucs. And I thought the Bucs, I mean, just to kind of throw back to a winner, no team benefited more from the tackles falling oh, yeah. than the Bucs. Like Absolutely. what a win for that team yeah, to have yeah. to move up one spot, just a little insurance to get to 13 and get Tristan Wirfs, who for some people was the best tackle on the board yep. and is going to be a starter for their right yep. now football team. I thought I thought that was a I thought that was an A plus.
4: Tampa play. Bay, and I'll even throw out another pick from Tampa Bay: Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round out of Vanderbilt. Listen, he is going to be the guy that plays this coveted role of the checkdown for Tom Brady, the sure. pass receiving back for Tom Brady. Think about Deion Lewis. Think about James White. They drafted Sean Vaughn to be that role in partnership with Ronald Jones there in Tampa. We only have a couple of minutes, and I know you were so plugged into the NFC East. I have to ask you about one other team, and that is the Dallas Cowboys, okay? They went out and get, you know, CeeDee Lamb. We we said they are the team that gets CeeDee Lamb. But I got to ask you, in the team construction of it all, they have Michael Gallup. They just paid Amari Cooper. They paid Zeke Elliott. So are they a running team or a passing team now, Kevin?
5: They're a passing team, but I will tell you this.
4: What is why are they paying
5: Zeke Elliott? Yeah, no, I mean, this is the problem with Jake. You can't – the reality is the days of running backs going inside the top five are completely done. You can't do it because if a player is drafted in the top five and then plays up to that draft position, uh... you have to pay them. But you can't pay running backs like this. It's just not financially responsible. Right. Now, the only bang on the C.D. Lamb pick is just the fact that this team was second in DVOA last year and obviously – Like Ceedee Lamb comes in and he's great, but what are they gonna go to be first in DVOA? Like there's there's a lot more things that that really do matter for this team. I thought the Trevon Diggs pick was good. Um, You know.
4: Cornerbacks after that. They got a couple of cornerbacks after that, but I think, and I'm not calling them a loser here, Kevin, but you're plugged into this in this contract with Dak. I actually think they're painting themselves in a corner because here's what's going to happen. Now that you have these guys, right, and you have this dynamic offense, Dak's going to put up numbers, yes. and then you're going to have to pay the man. Yes. They are painting themselves into a dramatic corner, and also, if you have now these three wide receivers, what's going to happen to this?
1: Yeah. Huh?
4: And I think, you know, maybe as an Eagles fan, you're happy about it. But I think there's drama on the horizon for the Dallas Cowboys.
5: Now, that would be a treat. That'd be a treat. Now, the Unbiased Journalist Tour continues. Yeah. I thought they had an A-plus draft. I thought, be honest, the, the Wisconsin yeah. center that they got to potentially replace Travis yeah. Frederick was, was an A-plus draft. They had a great draft. But, yes, I could yeah. see drama. Yes, they have backed themselves into a corner with Dak because uh. – Completely out of their mind. They're going to end up giving them the biggest contract in quarterback history if they just keep on waiting, which is going to be hilarious because I remember when they thought 30 was too much. Well, enjoy 40. All in all, this is how they do it. They have good players, but they find a way to make things too complicated and Jerry Jones the whole thing up.
4: And we'll be here to talk about it the whole way, Kevin. Thanks for spending the day with us here on In Game Live for Kevin Walsh. I'm Dane Martinez. Next time you want the grid, you know where to come. It's In Game Live.